TCS is proud to be the New York Roadrunner's premier partner and title sponsor of the virtual TCS New York City Marathon. When reality is virtual, this run unites us. Stay connected and experience exclusive runner and spectator content by downloading the official virtual TCS New York City Marathon app, powered by Tata Consultancy Services. Welcome to Habitual Routine. I'm your host, New York Roadrunners coach, Anique Lamar. And I can't believe we are nearly at the end of this podcast season journey, and you are nearly at the start of your virtual marathon race. So thank you for being with us for these 11 episodes. It's been excellent to talk to our guests and really break down what you need in this strange new year to be successful in virtual marathoning. And so that brings us to our final, you know, penultimate episode. We still have one to go, but this is really the last one where we get to prep you before your marathon. And we know there are over 24,000 of you registered to run the virtual marathon, which means there are tens of thousands of multiverse races. And what I mean by this is if everyone has a different race course and everyone has a different time that they start, different support crews, and they're going in different directions, there's the chance to have 24,000 different virtual TCS New York City marathons happening. It is like a superhero's dream, and I just love the idea of all these variations. But in the variation, we know there's going to be a lot of different outcomes. And so we really want to make sure you're prepared to handle and control what you can control, right? 2020 has been the year of controlling the controllables. And this episode is going to break down as one last chance before you head off to the starting line, what it is you need to be successful on race day. This is the cramming study hall before the big test. All right, so let's talk about this race day checklist. We have prepared you over the past 11 weeks with all the resources you need to be successful in your virtual marathoning journey. And today we're actually gonna go back and review some of the top items, all right? And so we have three of them. We are gonna unpack some race day logistics using the advice of our experts we've talked to this season. We are gonna be breaking down mental preparation and how you can be prepared when things might go wrong mid-race. And last, we have something called our tech list checklist, as we know that tech is more important than ever in a virtual marathon setting. And then finally, we are going to have a virtual marathon coach expert, Jackie Murphy, in the house at the very end to sort of bring it all together in her real life experience with virtual marathoning and all her pro tips. So let's get straight into it with race day logistics. With 24,000 runners, we know there are going to be 24,000 courses, so you have to find your route and coordinating on route support, and you have to know that now. So this should be a total review. You should be able to say back to me where you're going and who's going to help you. So uh, if you remember back to Ted Metellus uh, of New York Roadrunners fame, he really broke down what it was to build a race course. So we need you to ask yourself, where are you going? Is it safe? Will it be a great choice when you're super exhausted? Do you know this course like the back of your hand, or do you need to carry a laminated map with you? I'm not joking. I highly encourage laminated maps if that's your style. Uh, and thinking back to our Joseph Gray episode, pro mountain national champion Joseph Gray, have you prepared your friends and family to support you with providing detailed logistics, and can they say back to you what your race day plan is, and can they support you, right? Right. So one of the other things we really need you to consider right now is your weather forecast. This is like maybe the best 
thing about virtual marathoning is you get to choose your weather that you want to run in. Personally, I love adverse weather conditions to a certain extent. So if there was a light drizzle, that would be like my perfect race day. And I would go out and I would race the marathon on that day. Other folks are looking for really clear skies and sun. What is your race day perfect weather? So right now, get on your apps, on your phone, and start checking the 10-day forecast and really find that optimal day to run. Also, super important is footwear and apparel. This should be tattooed on every New York Roadrunner coach's forehead, and it just says nothing new on race day. It's not an interesting tattoo, but it is an effective tattoo because we say it all the time. Nothing new on race day. So where are the things that you need? Have Lay them out, catalog them, wash them if they need to be washed, but have your best clothing or clothings if you're going to have a support crew bring you fresh socks halfway through the race. Whatever it is, be super prepared with that. Also super important on your race day logistics checklist is nutrition. And so we are bringing an expert here from Abbott, and it is Pam Nizvich Bede, a nutritionist who's going to help you figure out how to fuel on race day. Pam, what are your nutrition tips for runners preparing for their virtual marathon for their pre-race nutrition? Well, throughout your pre-race experience during and even after, I want you to remember the mantra, nothing new on race day. So whatever we're going to talk about today is hopefully things you've talked about or you've practiced during training. And pre-race, it really is all about your energy, right? And our energy is coming mainly from carbohydrates. So that pre-race intake should be fairly high in carbohydrates, moderate in protein, and low in fat. Also low in spices and fiber. Find things that sit well on your stomach. And how about during the race? What should athletes be thinking about uh, about taking in during the race? Well, during the race, your intake is all about where you're going to find your energy from across 26.2 miles. Your pre-race meals actually topped off that tank, but that tank will start to run out if you don't replace it. You've got to find a source of carbohydrate that sets really well on your stomach. And most of us opt for a gel or a chew or a bar or even sports drink. But the most important thing on race day is to use what you, you know, really relied on during training because you won't have any surprises that way. And then as we think about post-race, right, you've just gone through the 26.2 mile challenge. Your body is um, a little tired. Uh, mm -hmm. What would you recommend to help our athletes recover? Well, during the recovery phase, it's twofold. You want to restock your glycogen, which is coming in mainly from carbohydrates. But the most important thing in my mind is stopping that muscle breakdown and starting the repair process. And that's where protein comes in. You need about 30 grams of protein in that you know, post-workout window. And you've also got to rehydrate. So think about where is your fluid coming from? Where is your electrolyte coming from? Because within probably two hours or so of that post-race or post-run uh, time, you want to make sure you're, you're back to where you started and your urine is running a light, light lemonade color. Backing up a little bit, like during that race as well, you want to aim for about 30 to 60 grams of carb. That'll car carry you through as well as help, you know, jumpstart that, that recovery of those glycogen stores. And the same is true for maintaining that hydration status too. Yeah. So it really sounds like what you do pre-race helps you during the race and what you do during the race is going to help you post-race. That's, that's really well said. Yep. Pre-race, you're topping off the tank during the race. You're relying on that tank, but you want the tank fairly level and make sure, you know, it always has fuel in the tank. And then after the race, you know, you're trying to replace what, 
what is in that empty tank. And then for my very last question, what types of proteins uh, would you recommend for runners so they can either have a family member with them at the, you know, in the 30 minute window or uh, they're, just, they're prepared? What are these sort of proteins that you would suggest they take in? I think the most research we have is on dairy protein for recovery. All of us have different stomachs. All of us have different preferences. My go-to is always an Ensure Max protein shake because I can't stomach a lot of um, solids in the you know the hour or so after a run. Many of us do really well smoothies, shakes, kind of liquid, and that helps with the protein recovery. Again, we're aiming for about 30 grams, and then it's also rehydrating because of the liquid in there. Thank you so much, Pam, for stopping by and sharing your knowledge. Thank you for having me. And our final race logistics advice, as Pam had just discussed, post-race nutrition, uh, is figuring out how your post-race celebration is going to look. Number one, how are you going to get home? Are you taking a lift? Are you going to phone a friend? How are you literally getting out of your final stretch of the race wherever it has placed you? And then what are you doing to make it special? Celebration is very important in building community with your support crew, in celebrating achievements. And let's be honest, 2020 could use all the high moments it can get. So what is your post-race celebration going to look like? And so the other big bucket on your race day checklist is mental preparation. Are you ready to handle the mental load that is 26.2 miles on your own? And so we are telling you right now to do a quick health check on your goals. Are they realistic? Are they specific? Do you know what they are? And are they flexible? This is something that we are super excited about with virtual marathoning is that you can have flexible goals. Uh, pro runners often have an A goal, a B goal, and a C goal, right? So if the race starts to go off the rails, they're still focused on, you know, getting in the top 10 or, uh, you know, just trying to hit a time standard or sometimes even finishing. So knowing what your varying flexible goals are will keep you moving throughout the race. So really hone in on what those are. Also, I want you to have this up your back pocket, but what techniques are you going to take out mid-race when things might not go well? Is it a song that you're saving for a rough patch? It is a mantra that you are saying to yourself for an entire mile. Are you going to have a gratitude moment when you're in, you know, the darkness of the wall at mile, you know, 17? Are you going to really be thinking about someone who's super important to your life? What are these mental moments that you can actually use like I don't know, like the, like the blue shell in Super Mario Brothers to like get you out of it. Like what is your Hail Mary that you need to get your mental side back on track? Because we know the mental so much controls the physical. You can train your brain to get you back on track with this. So think about what those, those tricks are for you. All right. And so our last bucket on the race day checklist is our tech list checklist. And you really have to have your tech side dialed in more now than any other marathon, right? We are not tracking you. The New York Roadrunners will not be out there tracking you. You have to track yourself and report your results. And so the best way to do that is one of two ways. You can use your Strava app. So have that downloaded on your phone and ready to go. Or if you're running the race with the guaranteed entry or run for the medal tier, you'll have access to the NYR racing app. And this is really great racing app. And so just to clarify, at the end of your race, if you're tracking it with the NYRR racing app, you would upload it onto Strava. And so that's how that like data moves from point to point. But let's talk about this app for a second because it's got some really awesome features. It has audio cues. And these audio cues provide you the sights and sounds of New York City and via your GPS, we will actually place you on the New York City race course. So you'll see a map of New York and you'll know based on where you are, 
wherever in the world, where you would be in the New York City race course, which is really fun. I will also be on there uh, as a coach giving you some motivation and advice. So it's not too late to upgrade to those two tiers if you want to do it and hear some motivation along the route. Um, You also need to run a little over 26.2. This is the whole trick with virtual marathoning. This is like virtual marathoning 101. Run 26.3 and a little over. And this is not a problem. And the reason why this is actually not a problem is because Strava will take your fastest segment, your fastest 26.2 mile segment. So if you walked a little bit in the beginning and you finished really strong, but you like went 26.5, it's going to take the, you know, the half, the second portion of your fastest part of the race. So if you have to go just a little bit longer to make the satellites and GPS sync up and so your results are verified, it's totally cool. It'll take your fastest segment. So definitely make sure you go the little bit, not the extra mile, that like extra point, you know, two of a mile uh, to make sure it registers your time. We also recommend having two devices. So if you are tracking it on your watch, that's perfect. Also track it on your cell phone and vice versa. Uh, you know, this is a perfect time to like borrow a friend's watch if you've never used a GPS watch. You really want to make sure you get this right. The worst feeling would be to be in the middle of the race and you find out your device for whatever reason needs an upgrade, is not working, the battery dies on the watch or the phone. Having two advi- uh, two devices is just peace of mind during this time. Additionally, this is maybe, you know, one of those tricks that I think folks really need to think about, having an external battery. If you're out there four, five, six hours, are your devices going to survive without an external battery to juice them up? Are your Bluetooth headphones going to survive? Can you do the last two hours of a marathon without music? Like, ask yourself that question. Is your cell phone uh, able to hold a charge, especially when it gets hot? I know my cell phone always dies when it's close to me, uh, so I do need to bring an external battery every time I run over two, three hours. Um, so think about what these tech uh, you know, moments are that might be pitfalls for you and think about how you can solve them now by being just a little prepared. Be a part of the virtual TCS New York City Marathon festivities without running 26.2 miles. Between October 25th and November 1st, take on the virtual Abbott Dash to the Finish Line 5K anytime anywhere in the world. Although we can't cross the finish line together in Central Park this year, you can join the global running community as we come together to celebrate what can be achieved with good health. For their support of this event and today's episode, thanks to our partners at Abbott, creators of innovative COVID testing, nutrition solutions, and life-changing heart and diabetes technologies that keep you healthy. You can also sign up for the virtual Abbott Dash to the Finish Line 5K and work towards completing your 2020 NYRR year-end 5K PR series. Finish the year strong with three virtual 5K races and you'll be rewarded with some hardware. Visit nyrr.org to learn more. So as we said before, we would be talking to an experienced season virtual marathoner. And today we have hand-selected one of the best, and this is Coach Jacqueline Murphy. Uh, Jackie Murphy is a 
Jacqueline of all trades because I love this. I'm sorry. I make myself laugh, but she's a jack of all trades because she really is deeply involved in the running community in a variety of different ways, right? And so many folks have come across her through one of these different avenues. So she is a certified RRCA running coach. She was a New York Roadrunners run for the future coach. She's one of our amazing coaches with that program. She's also experienced as a high school coach for track and field and cross country. She is a mother runner. She's very active on social media, and she's completing a coaching certification in coaching postpartum women. Uh, she's also has this huge uh, social justice drive to her, and so she's a volunteer coach and mentor with, like, let's list them off, Back on My Feet, NYC, Girls on the Run, Backpacks for Life, and Fleet Feet's No Boundaries program. For 10 years, she was a, uh, a, a counselor in a school, but now she's the development manager of Covenant House, New Jersey, which advocates for the homeless and at-risk youth. In Jackie's own words, moving your body is a gift, a gift that you can open every single day, and that's something to be celebrated. And that's just a little taste of who Jackie Murphy is, but let's get into it with her more right now. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jackie. Hi, Anique. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am super excited to have you on today's podcast. I know you as a run for the future coach with the New York Roadrunners, but you're also super active in the running community. And I know through your social that you have been very active since the pandemic um, in March. What have you been up to running-wise? Um, trying to run away from some of this virtual world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I have kept it quite active. I was supposed to run the Boston Marathon in April. Um, and I had started training at just six weeks postpartum. So I ran it um, on April 19th, um, virtually. And then um, prior to my running that, uh, as part of my training, I did a 48 and 48 challenge. Uh, so that was four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Um, then I did the actual virtual Boston Marathon on September 11th. Um, and then uh, through my work with Covenant House, I also created and launched a virtual race for the community. Um, so people could sign up for either a 5K, a 10K, or 118.2 miles, which is the distance between the two homeless shelters that I, that I work for. So I uh, tried to keep busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has been, uh, for those of us like myself who have been like struggling to get out the door, you've been an inspiration uh, to just get one or two miles in while you've been logging these like big consecutive runs. It's been fantastic to see you uh, just really engage with this virtual racing, which is why we have you on today's podcast. Um, and, you know, you are a coach, but you're also this virtual racer. So it's perfect. Uh, it's a marriage for our podcast today. So let's get right into it. You know, for most of our runners, we know that this is the first time they're going to ever do a virtual race this long, right? They might have done a 5K or a virtual 10K, but this is a big deal. So aside from like the obvious differences, like there's no crowds and you can choose your own course, what do you think are really the differences between virtual marathoning and in-person marathoning? And let's break it down physically and psychologically. So physically, what have you found to be the differences um, between in-person and virtual marathoning? Sure. I mean, physically, you you get to sleep in more. <laughs> um, you don't have to wake up at 4am and catch a shuttle or a bus and like wrap yourself in a garbage bag to stay warm at the start line. Um, you, <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, you can, so the beauty of it is that you can do that if you want. So if you want to wrap yourself in a garbage bag to stay warm before you're, before you walk out your front door to 
to go run 26 miles, uh, you can, but you don't have to. Um, so I think um, there's a number of different challenges, right? So we always say one of the one of the most important things is making it to the start line. So goal number one is is making it to the start line, um, whether it be your front door, uh, your neighbor's front door, uh, the running store like down the street, or whether you've decided to to take a little weekend vacation and go run someplace new. And so physically, I think it starts with continuing to maintain your health um, and be smart in your training. So whether you're training for an actual race or a virtual race, you still need to make sure that you have put in the work, that you're putting in the miles, that you're being smart about your training, and that you're not just deciding to like wake up and like go run 26 miles. It's a very, very poor decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah there, there's like so much more like, uh, like, like you can't secretly just decide to run the New York City Marathon in person, right? Like, right. like you got it. There's no way you can get past security. You can't get on the ferry. Like you can't get on the Verrazano, but you could yeah. make a bad decision to just decide to like sign up for the race, then do it the next day. So there is sure. that. Yeah. I mean, or you could, I guess you could walk the 26 miles, um, but I would just be cautious about, about injury. Um, and so the beauty about it though, is that you really can take your time. Um, and so there are so many different people who I know who have taken this opportunity to really train hard and train smart and are going to go out for a virtual run and try to PR for themselves. And that's an awesome thing. Um, but then there, this is a, an amazing opportunity to not feel that that physical strain of like having to push yourself to the limit and really just getting to do something for fun. Um, I think we're so stressed in so many other ways right now that this should be a really fun, relaxing activity, a way to actually get outside. I know for for me, running has been a beautiful way to escape some of this virtual world um, with your Zoom meetings and virtual school and online learning and all of these different ties to the computer and to our devices right now, getting out is just a wonderful opportunity. Um, so physically, I think that it's a way for us to engage our bodies, to continue moving, to set new goals for ourselves, um, and not have it be like, 50,000 people running next to you all the time. Like this is, this is for you. Um, mm -hmm. and it's a kind of really cool goal for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and psychologically, I think that you just need to try to try to alter your mindset. I know people have said, you know, everything's canceled, but it's not canceled. Like you're, you're not, you're not virtually running. Like uh, you're, you're actually running. You're actually still putting your foot to the pavement. You're still taking the steps. You're still in motion and moving your body and doing something wonderful for yourself. Um, and so I think that if we kind of switch your mindset to the fact that what you have trained for is not canceled, the physical event itself might be canceled, but it's not actually canceled. Um, nobody can cancel that. Uh, you, you can run, you can always, you know, and that's such, and that's such a gift. There's so many people who would love to be able to, to go for a run and, uh, you know, be healthy and strong. And I think that we really need to, to think about that. Yeah. I think that's, I think you've really pointed out some of the unique differences. Um, and I, I just love the idea that like, you know, we talk about things being canceled, 
but you, you have to do it, right? Like if you're signed up to do it and you are going to go across, you know, quote unquote, the finish line, like it doesn't matter if the finish line's real or not, you still have to do your 26.2 or three, 26.3 miles. So you, so you get your GPS to register it. Um, I'd love to get some of your advice here because like we've been talking all season about the different ways runners can optimize their virtual marathon, um, experience, like control the controllables and like figure out like, you know, if in this multiverse, there's like all these different marathon courses going on, like what can you figure out? So your marathon course, wherever it is, is really on point. So what is uh, essential advice would you share with runners? So they're successful on race day as a coach or as like a, a virtual marathon participant yourself? Sure. Um, I mean, I, I was supposed to run Boston. So I was training for the Boston course. I was training on Hills. I was training to run a specific route. Um, and so when everything was canceled, um, I mapped out something that I was comfortable with um, around my towns because uh, my town isn't big enough to run a marathon. Um, I mean, unless I wanted to circle it like seven times, then I could, <laughs> that seemed a little unnecessary. Um, so I mapped out um, a route that I was really comfortable with and had done on some of my long runs. Um, I I put Heartbreak Hill at mile 18, um, 20, and, uh, you know, really did, you know, tried to try to um, mimic something that would be symbolic for, for me. Um, but I'd say that I would map something out, practice it a couple of different times, but figure out something fun. So when I mapped out my, my route, I ran past my brother's house. I ran past my father's house. I ran up to my cousin's house. I ran past my favorite running store. I, um, you know, told people where I was going to be. And I made sure that when I was getting home, uh, I actually got home to like my finish line at mile 25. Um, and I was able to run my last mile, 1.3 miles, um, with my son in the stroller. Um, and so I never would have had the opportunity to cross a marathon finish line, especially Boston or New York with my son in a stroller that is not ever going to happen again. Um, so not only is running a virtual marathon kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity, but you can literally make it all yourself. Like you can decide what your finish line looks like. You can decide what your start line looks like. Um, when I started, when I did my virtual Boston in April, um, I, I put like unicorn masking tape outside my front house and I wrote start. Um, and so many people came to my house and took pictures of my, my funny virtual start line. It was so funny. Um, and I told people where I was going to be. People ran with me. I ran past an ice cream shop and got ice cream. Um, <laughs> random stuff. Like you can just really make it a celebration of all your training, which is how I, how I really like to do marathons anyway. Oh, Jackie, I love that. There's, a, there's another life where you are a race director of the most fun race in the history of the world, which has uh, unicorn starting lines, ice cream, and then it finishes with someone handing you a baby that you get yeah. to hug. Here's a baby. Here's a baby. Thank you. I will walk this last mile with this really cute baby in my arms. Um, I, I love this. This is why we wanted to have you on because you've, you've had to do this so many times and you're such a really... Um, 
like an analytical thinker about like how you emotionally need to participate in these physical events. And so just such a great mind, uh, mind body connection. Um, but some of the virtual marathons that you've done haven't gone perfect, right? Like, like I don't want the audience to think that like you're, um, like I know you're a super mom and like, we all love you as like a coach and an athlete, but like, we know this last virtual marathon was hard. Can you talk a little bit about what made it so challenging? Yeah, for sure. So as I said, when I was training for Boston, I really, I started my training at six weeks postpartum. Um, and so I, once race day, quote unquote, finally came, um, I would have been training for just over 40 weeks. So like I could have had another baby. Thank God I don't, because uh, <laughs> I would die. <laughs> um, but I could have um, in the amount of time that I've been training. Most people train for like 12 to 16 weeks for a marathon. I had by then put in 40 weeks of training. So I had tried to register for like an actual in-person marathon so that I could do my virtual Boston while running an actual race. I signed up for Big Cottonwood in Utah. It was canceled four weeks before. And then I signed up for the um, Delaware Canal Chasing the Unicorn Marathon that was supposed to be run on September 13th. On September 10th, Thursday, September 10th, it was canceled. So it was literally 72 hours before I was supposed to be running my virtual Boston at this race. Two weeks before, I slipped walking up the stairs while carrying my son and I pulled a muscle in my ankle. I took a day off. Uh, and then I went out to go run five miles and I was like, Oh, okay. I think that that's fine. And then the next morning I woke up and I couldn't walk. So one week out from my virtual Boston, after 40 weeks of training, I was injured. Um, and then three days before the race gets canceled. So September 10th, I have my busted ankle. I have no race. So it was 5 p.m. and I decided that I was just going to wake up the next morning on September 11th and run. Uh, I was, that was it. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I just have to do this thing. So I, I went to social media. I put out a post and said, hey, run community. My virtual Boston, uh, like in-person race was canceled. I'm waking up tomorrow morning and I'm running. If anybody wants to be a water stop or run with me, message me, call me, whatever. The support that I got from my run community literally brought me to tears. I, I ran five miles of that race by myself, but it was only because I was supposed to start at 630 and I couldn't sleep because I was so anxious um, that I woke up at 530, that I woke up early and I started running at 530. So I had someone meet me at my house to start my run with me. And I had people who ran with me the entire way to the end where I was delivered at my house by Samantha. Um, and by mile 25, I then ran that with my boyfriend and my son, Declan. Um, that being said, this was the most painful marathon I've ever run. By mile three, I text my boyfriend, Dan, and I said, I don't think this is going to happen. Like, I really, really thought that I was not going to be able to finish this race. Um, a marathon is never truly run alone. 
even if you are running it by yourself, the reason that you got to the start line is that somebody or a whole group of people has supported you enough so that you could get to that start line, whether they're watching your child so that you can put in training runs or they're saying, wake up and go, you know, put in some time, go put in some miles or somebody who has said, like, I believe in you. You can do this like you're going to get there because we second guess ourselves all the time. My running community and my family carried me through that race. Like I put my feet on the pavement, but they carried me through the entire race and across that finish line. Um, And I am forever grateful. Um, I ended up in a boot. Uh, (laughs) There it is. There it is. There it is. The coach in me is like, this is beautiful. This is the most gorgeous story I've ever heard. I love this. It's so passionate. I love running communities. Where is the, when is the other shoe going to drop on you started a marathon with a twisted ankle? Oh, so I had a severe strain to my posterior tibial tendon and I ended up in a boot for two weeks um, and couldn't do anything. Um, though I did learn how to, how to do some exercises with a boot. Um, that's for a different podcast. Uh, So, uh, yeah. Um, it was the first cast of my entire life. So I had a soft cast first cast of I've ever had. Um, it's so appropriate for 2020. There's so many firsts. Um, I had like people sign my cast, which was really kind of fun. Uh, And uh, like they wrote ridiculous things on it. And the doctor said, you did, what did you run a marathon on your leg? Uh, And I said, yeah, he's like, well, that was really dumb. He's like, when did you hurt it? I go a week before the race. He goes, why didn't you come here? I said, because you would have told me not to run the race. Um, there's this, this is like, this is like, we need the podcast. Like if this were TV, I'd be like, do as we say, not as we do just running underneath this whole story. So, and that's absolutely true. And I told him, I said, listen, I am a coach. I would never, ever, ever, ever tell anybody to do this. My only, my only rationale in this is that I'm now five weeks past the marathon. Um, it has taken me five weeks to start to physically recover, emotionally, if I didn't do it, I think it would have taken longer for me to recover. Um, and one, one other small piece of advice that I would give to people, um, running a marathon, I dedicated each mile to some, to something. So, you know, I, mile one, um, was for my son. Uh, mile two was for a friend who has alopecia. Mile three was for a friend who has MS. Miles 9 through 11 were for the victims and families of 9-11 because I ran on September 11th. Um, And then once I got to mile 20, 21, 22, I started putting like people in my life, like my mom, my boyfriend, me, my brother. I put people who I really needed at mile 20, 21, 22. When things get really hard, I put the people in my life who are always with me when things get really hard. Um, and I kind of thought about like these people throughout these miles and I was like, okay, I can do this. Okay. I can do this. And so a mile dedication for your long runs can be really helpful also. Yeah. I love that. I was going to ask you like, how do you, you know, when, when the going gets rough, um, which, you know, you, it sounds like you had like 
20 miles of rough marathoning. You really had to tap into that emotional um, and mental energy. Um, and I, I really, because I think this is something that I love about your coaching and about you as a person, which is that you're a community organizer, right? And so you are able to bring runners together. And so I love that you're sort of surprised when the running community came out for you. And I'm not surprised knowing you because you always come out for the running community. So it's so obvious to me that, of course, you put out a call and everyone's going to say, we've got your back, Jackie. Uh, But, you know, you've worked back on my feet. You've uh, been this amazing coach for Run for the Future, inspiring these young women to get active um, and run their first 5K. You've worked with the teens in the Covenant House, getting them active. How do you build your community uh, so that you're even when you're like alone, and I know in a lot of cases, people were physically there with you, but even if you were alone, you still have a team on race day, right? So how do you get your crew around you, friends, family, emotional support? What is it that you do that makes people um, answer the call when you put out the the ask on social? I don't know. I think they just like feel bad for me sometimes. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I guess it's, I guess part of it might just be karma. Like you put, you try to put out some, some good things into the world um, and people see it and want to do the same thing. Um, Love and be loved. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think I just, uh, I think my passion for, for helping others is something that that does shine through. Um, I hope it does. That's, it's important to me. Um, I believe so strongly in, in helping other people set, set goals, um, whether they're these short, small attainable goals or whether they're these long-term goals. Um, and I've tried to take different things in stride with 2020. I think that that's kind of all that you can do. Um, if something's canceled, then you, you have a choice, right? You either decide that it's canceled and, you know, you sit down or you decide that it's not and you get your butt up and you keep going. Um, and people have messaged me and said, like, uh, you know, no matter the cancellations of other things, like uh, you just have tried to find joy um, and continue going. And whether I'm working, you know, any of the groups that I've worked with, Back on My Feet, Run for the Future, Girls on the Run, Covenant House, there's not an option really to to stop. Um, if you're in recovery, if you're homeless, if you um, are struggling with mental health, whatever it might be, if you are on a path to, to moving forward, then you can't stop. Even if you're crawling, you're still moving forward. So I think that, um, I think that that's something that I, I try to share with people. And I've just been really, really fortunate that when I needed somebody, um, people were ready to wrap their arms around me. Yeah. I think, you know, I've, I've worked with you for a couple of years now and it's been, you know, watching you work has been a, a sort of blend of pragmatism and like deep, deep hope and belief in people's abilities, um, to, to keep moving forward. And so I thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast, breaking down your experience. I I know that there's so many golden, uh, nuggets of wisdom throughout this entire podcast, but as, as usual, they're wrapped in really fun stories. Um, so thank you for joining us today, Jackie. Thank you so much for having me, Nick. I really appreciate it. And good luck to everyone who is doing a virtual run. And let that be your amazing victory lap. And have a great time. 
Hi, this is Togo. I'm a guide and volunteer for Achilles International Mongolia. I will be running the New York City Virtual Marathon in Mongolia. My best advice for the runners with disabilities and their guides when they are assembling their support is to make sure that my support team doesn't forget to cheer up runners and guides who participate in the full marathon. You know, it's a very difficult to finish 42 kilometers for especially runners with disabilities. Your cheerleading and positive energy is important to our runners to give joy, support and motivation. Be a part of our Achilles family. Thank you. Thank you so much to our Achilles International Guide Runner from Mongolia for sending in their virtual marathon tips. Remember to watch as 100 guides, athletes, and volunteers from the Achilles Mongolia chapter run their virtual marathon journey. It'll be live streamed. Uh, coverage begins at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday, October 23rd on the Achilles International social channels. A big thank you to TCS and Abbott for supporting this episode. And thanks again to Pam and Coach Jackie for dropping some knowledge. You can follow Jackie at runner underscore jams 710 on Instagram. And you can also find out more about what she is up to in the running community in the episode description. Thank you to our team who helped make this show happen. Executive producer, John Phillips, producers, Steve Mura, Ben Delaney, Sam Dupuy, Gordon Bakoulis, Lily Corsaro, and Ted Doyle. And thanks to our engineer and editor in excellence, Greg Gorbanoff. Also, check out our newest YouTube series called Long Runs, Short Stories, A Virtual Marathon Story. We are telling the stories of virtual marathoners just like yourself around the globe. You can find that by heading to YouTube and searching New York Roadrunners. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.